I'm Tony Jameson and welcome to the FM show. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Now, before we get into it, of course, our viewers on YouTube will already be able to tell. But for audio listeners, Aaron, unfortunately, isn't with us today. Uh, He's taken ill, so we wish him a speedy recovery, which means it's just myself and producer Steve today. Steve, how are you, buddy? I'm well, I'm well, my friend. How are you? Very well, very well indeed. And I must admit... I've had a lovely week, and I do need to um, to say first of all mm. right, that we have had some praise for the comedic elements of the podcast, um, not for the stand-up comedian, of course, <laughs> but for yourself and oh. what has been dubbed as producer Steve's funny last week. So you. Uh, you dropped uh, what was referred to very, very kindly in the Discord as uh, a very funny line, which made people laugh a lot. So there you there go. You go. You'd have mm-hmm. thought that what we really wanted people to get out of this podcast is a bit more insight and knowledge on the game football manager, but but that I care more about if I'm being perfectly honest. So that's a that's um, that's very kind. Thank you, everyone. What was it? What was it in relation to? Uh, it was in relation to to Mrs. J drilling me. So there you go. It's just. <laughs> That's all the content. So we've also found the level of our audience as well very quickly. Um, We're not giving you any context. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, go, what on earth are they on about? Go back and listen to the previous episodes uh, because context just slows us all down, Steve, doesn't it? We don't need that. (laughs) Not on the internet, no. 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 So, so yeah, so Aaron, of course, as I say, unfortunately, is is ill, which means it's just you and me. We're riding Mm. solo. As I say, we're uh, a bit Bonnie and Clyde, Steve. A bit Bonnie and Clyde. Again, you know, a movie that I've never seen. So I don't really, what are they, hang on, it ends well for them, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. Like basically what it yeah. is, it's about cool. two people who start a podcast and it's all about Football Manager. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's that. <laughs> Maybe I watched uh, a different film. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh no, I'm on the actual, the real life Bonnie and Clyde. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was 30s. a documentary about people who played Football Manager in a car. Maybe. Yeah. With a shotgun as well. Anyway, I'm going to pull myself out of that of that Wikipedia rabbit hole and actually focus on what I'm doing. Also, what I do notice too, which um, listeners and viewers may, to peel the curtain back a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, when I'm looking away from the... It looks like I'm not paying attention to what Tony or Aaron are saying, but I'm looking at the script. I'm, I'm producing, basically, everyone. I'm producing. Uh, which is fine when it's Tony and Aaron because they can chat to each other. I'm sort of, you know, orchestrating stuff. But it does feel like I'm just ignoring you. <laughs> To be fair, mate, I'm used I'm used to it in most parts of my life. So like I get it. Like this yeah. is the thing. Like again, on you know, what you what you don't see, because in, in the previous iteration of this podcast, producer Steve was in the background making sure that everything was working all right. And it's been mentioned before that it's nice to see Steve on camera. You you were doing I, I often referred to to you as the as the the sort of the ball winning midfielder. You never you never really noticed what was going on until you weren't there, and then you go, ah, they do need him there, don't they? Really, no, like so. Really, Aaron and Tony just going off, just pinging balls left, right, and centre. Going, is anybody just going to put their foot on it and retain possession? No, they're just Hollywood <laughs> passes, twenty four seven. So, so yeah. So we got Steve here, of course, and keep an eye on everything. Um, mm. Steve, what I want to find out first of all, though, before we get into today's show. I want to find out more about Fiorentina. Mm. Where are we? Have you 
Have you uh, have you just gone? Because you, you've saved a load of money last year, uh, last week. Sorry, loads of money in. What happened? Um, I was just thinking. I'm really, really relishing it again because um, mm-hmm. it was a sort of save where seven seasons in, I'd won a couple of scudetto, you know, scudetto's Champions League qualification, etc. And I don't know if any listeners or viewers will empathise with this, but when you're in that sort of save, you feel like you have to constantly. You go from developing a team and there being a cycle and uh, you sort of reach the zenith and it's and it's wonderful to reaching that height and feeling like you have to keep replenishing, which means mm. kind of buying older rather than buying younger players, developing them. You don't really feel like you have space for that. So you have to keep. You feel like you have to keep buying players in their late twenties, even the thirties, for big money, big wages, just to keep yourself going, keep yourself um, competitive. Mm-hmm. Which number one, Fiorentina as a side financially can't necessarily do that to the same level that an Inter or a Juventus or a Milan can in Italy specifically, even with the Champions League money rolling in. Um, and it also just then you're chasing those individual glamorous players rather than a wider philosophy. And also mm-hmm. you're getting them in for, for ridiculous wages, zero sell on. So financially, then doesn't really make sense too. So yeah, as as we mentioned. Sold quite a few players, including, to honest with you, the sort of a guy called Angelo um, was 24, so 94 million quid. So big money from that thing, too. So it wasn't just selling off guys in at 29, 30 either. Conversely, buying players, 22, you know, 24, relatively young uh, for not no money, but for nowhere near as much. And obviously lower wages, too, and a potential developmental arc. Mm. And it's just great. It's basically like a brand new team, really. You know, um, in terms of like certain players, the new cornerstones, um, incredibly, partly because I bought back my old keeper, uh, Bartolomé Dragowski from mm-hmm. Bayern. So on the one hand, I'm talking about how I have bought younger players and I have done that. I also spent 50 million quid on a 33 year old. So <laughs> we mentioned or we mentioned on last on last episode that that is an episode in itself in it about bringing a player back and, you know, mm. sort of going, when do you do it and when's the right time? But I, what I love about that, though, Steve, what I love about that is you're right. You talk about that change of philosophy with a team. Like you can just get a bit tired of just winning constantly like feeding the machine this like short-termism of like two-year signings you know but what i appreciate what i love about what you've done there is you went you know what we might not win the league this year but it doesn't matter because for the next five years we're going to be great and this is my golden generation and you're just you're giving the fans something different to look at and that's how you gotta you gotta view it and and i and i love that i love that because I think also, as you say, like over the cycle, so to speak, like maybe not this year, we're third at the moment, about seven points off the table with 13 games gone. Um, and, you know, in the game anyway, into a new year, looking pretty strong to get past both of them, probably unlikely. Um, but yeah, like maybe, you know, the, all these, it, it's great. I'm looking at these players, I've got a couple of Youth Academy players coming through as well, which I've made space for, for them to mm-hmm. play. And that's really quite rewarding, isn't it, in terms of being like, these guys are looking like four or five star players that are just going to come from my academy. And then actually that's the way that maybe next year I could actually, I could actually win the Scudetto again because of that evolution. Um, mm. The other exciting thing that has happened uh, too, because I'm in December in my save, so January transfer window is coming up. And it's been great. Dragowski, been amazing. Hands mm-hmm. down the best goalkeeper in the division. We've had the best defence. Genuinely in the data hub it said our defence is incredible, which I've never seen before. Never seen, seen that. No. Um, and 
but the, but but the counter to it is this team has evolved is that the goals have dried up a little bit. We've become a bit mm. harder to you know our finishing's been terrible partly, and also just you know chances aren't you know you know it's like it's a constant balance between like if you sort of shore yourself up a bit defensively, you change your mentality, you change some of the player roles. Risk and reward, isn't it? Risk yeah. and reward, yeah. And I'm, I'm mm. kind of risking a bit less and getting the reward of better clean sheets. But I've drawn quite a few games uh, when I've just not had it's opportunities. Fine. It's fine. You're in Italy. Yeah. You're in Italy. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, January Chance Window is coming up. And on one of the previous episodes, we have spoken about how you get those marginal gains in the transfer market using, for example, the Data Hub as a bit of free scouting. Mm. Now, I've done this and I've done made a Data Hub signing oh okay i'm excited yeah. i'm listening so for to remind uh viewers and listeners go on to the mm-hmm. data hub you go to um just to get in my there we go data hub you go to player and if when you go to player you'll see various sort of scatter graph um mm-hmm. graphs giving you very and you can go all players goalkeepers defenders midfielders yada 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 I was talking about looking to be more clinical and also what I've done previously a cross reference with my finisher. So my best finisher is Lorenzo Luca on 16, which is not, yeah. you know, can be improved sort of thing. I've got Julie now race too. So I've got good finishers, but something else is going on there as well. Anyway, that's what I identified as what I need in this window. Went to forwards, score, the option comes up uh, scoring forwards as one of the scattergrams that you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the way the way these things work is the top right hand corner best so this is high scoring high quality shooting so I looked here let's saw all my players right in the middle which is as I suspected quite average Juventus' strikers you know Karin Adeyemi is at Juventus so mm-hmm. he's obviously great um, and Lotaro Martinez is still at Inter right at the top but then right basically in the corner was this guy called Luca Di Giacomo which might be a regen. Um, so Luca the Giacomo, right in the top corner, plays with Genoa. I was like, this, this guy, right, okay. Looked him up, 22-year-old, 19 million pound release clause. Um, incredible finishing. And he's coming in in January. I love it. I love it. So did Giacomo, are we calling him the clothes store? I mean, is that what we call him? Is that a clothes Giac- store, is it? Giacomo for the larger gentleman. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Is that other closed doors are available that don't yes, sponsor the podcast, by the way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but speaking of speaking of clothes, though, Steve, I know you, you were texting me pictures of Fiorentina kits, so I know that you're mm. back in with this now, aren't you? Little little links to, to classic football shirts there. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like I like the fact you're falling back in love with your Fiorentina side again. It's um, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely, and. Um, would you say the same, Tony, for where are we at now? Um, it was where, Spurs. Where are it? we? Where are we at now is a good question. We were we were at Spurs. We were mm. at Spurs. Um, and much to both yours and Aaron's uh, surprise and disgust, uh, last week we were in a cup final with Spurs in the mm. generic energy drink cup final playing at Manchester City. Have you heard of them before? They... they they uh, hmm. they did get to the cup final, Steve. You're right. They have done it a fair few times, mind. I've looked at the history. Weird. Um, we lost that final. We lost that cup final. Ooh, wow. We also fell off the um, the race for the title. We uh, finished in the Europa League spots, which is 
fine sort of what we're expecting and yeah. the start of the season we were expected to be finished mid-table believe it or not which was bizarre oh. given the fact that we'd won the Europa League the season before and therefore qualified for the Champions League um, Harry Kane had done a dreadful job before I came in <laughs> so lowered expectations nicely so energy drink cup final we lost we got to the FA Cup final though having unfortunately knocked out Arsenal in the semis and beat Liverpool 3-1 so we so you won, won the, the FA, FA Cup, cup. With Spurs, yeah. So that's an FA Cup, a Europa League, and a European Super Cup with Tottenham Hotspur in the, uh, in within 14 months, essentially. And because my challenge is try and win as many trophies as I possibly can, I looked at that and thought, maybe I'm not going to win the league the next year with Spurs. We were about 20 points away from Arsenal, to be honest. Um, Guardiola was retiring from Arsenal, and I was like, well, I'm not going to oh get the Arsenal God, job, what? really. I considered it. I considered it. I yeah. thought, could I resign and maybe get the Arsenal job? Um, the Liverpool job had already gone, so that was the, the other one. They finished about fifth, I think, so they were off the pace as well. Man City was like going to be the option, but Marco Rose didn't look like he was going to be going anywhere. So I thought, you know what? We'll just leave the Premier League because I was getting a bit bored of the Premier League. I was like, like unless you, there's only really a couple of teams can win the Premier League, I suppose, in, in Football Manager, yeah. unless you're there for like a long term. And I was kind of, we only really have a short amount of time left before FM24 kicks off. So I was like, let's leave. And we resigned. And then the Bambridge job came up. Do you remember when we started the save and went to Bambridge in like the third division of Northern Ireland? Oh, God. Was that <laughs> so? Wow. Right. Yeah, that's ages ago. <laughs> it's literally launch day of FM23. Yeah. We started unemployed and we got the job in Bambridge. So we took them into the second division of Northern Ireland. And despite winning the Northern Irish Premiership and a couple of the Cups and the third division, we hadn't won the second division in Northern Ireland. So it made sense to go home. So we, we've gone full cycle on the save. We've left FA Cup winners Tottenham <laughs> to go to second division in Northern Ireland, Bambridge. I'm turning up, the media description is like world-renowned manager Tony Jameson <laughs> comes back. And I'm imagining everyone's just like, oh, my God, the prodigal son has returned. And, oh, we need an episode on when it's not a good idea to come back, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Is it not? We've we've gone we've been dealing with elite level players for 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 a little while, and mm. then we've come back to players who you know aren't aren't elite at all. We started we took we initially started with the four four two when we were the, when we were at Bambridge the first time round. I'd been playing a four three three at Spurs, so I thought well, maybe we can set a four three three up for for Bambridge. It's not going to play exact because we haven't got the style of players that we had at, at Tottenham. Um, and we didn't. We didn't. Like it won a it won a couple of games. Then lost like four in a row or something. Mm. I was like, we need to change it up. So we went defensive. We went with uh, five at the back, so three centre backs, two wing backs, double pivot in midfield, and nice. then uh, wide like an inside forward, an inverted winger, and then an advanced forward. Because our advanced forward was six foot eight, so <laughs> nothing like ping it up to the big lad. That's a hundred percent what we were doing. Are you not Get playing? Tar- are you not playing target forward then? If you have got a like, guy like that. To be fair, he's not actually any good. <laughs> he's just big. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Get the ball out to him. Um, so that had a bit of mixed results. We won three games on the bounce, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. And then it was like sort of a bit hit and miss. And so I changed it a bit to more counter-attack because, uh, again, we're sort of expected to be down near the bottom. We are down near the bottom, to be honest. And we're sort of 
falling back in love with FM23 again because it got a little bit, it got to the point where when we were in the Premier League, it felt like, yeah, we sort of know what we're doing now and the, the tactic works, the system works, we know what players fit in that system. So we will win eventually. Whereas going back down the leagues again, it's like, oh yeah, balls just hit players and players move out the way. Like, that's brilliant. I saw, I can see the overhead kick. Like, my first game, someone scored an overhead kick. I was like, I've not seen an overhead kick in 11 months of FM23. And I see one in my first trip back to Northern Ireland. Um, so, yeah, so we're struggling a little bit, although there is a, a slight shining light in the fact that we're in a cup final of a cup that we've already won and therefore don't need to win again. So, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. But well, another, another trophy to win that I don't need. What a waste <laughs> of time. <laughs> so what have, you, what have you got left to do then on the, on the challenge, oh, actually? I've, I've still I've not even done half of it. Like There's uh, 35 trophies to win. I've won 17 and three European Cups that don't count. <laughs> so, you're not really um, selling the British Steel Challenge much, are you? No, as, as no. As far as challenges go. No, but, I don't um, think I would. Um but yeah, if 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 you want if you want to be sad for a year, then then give it a go yourself. <laughs> Great. Uh, but that will be another episode going forward as to things that we might want to do with other save ideas, Steve. But um, but that is of course a future thing. And speaking mm. of future, FM twenty four is in the very near future, mm. and we have had since the last recording a little bit more announcements with regards to what we can expect haven't we yes we have and um for those who haven't necessarily seen that um rather than announcing all those features in, in one big go um si has sort of uh, set out a roadmap hmm. that maybe bonnie and clyde will follow um with nice, key dates nice. on it you know you can find it online to sort of give staggered releases in terms of um What's new in FN24? Um, all of the way up until the big day itself, uh, the 6th of November, which is, of course, our live show day, Tony. Isn't That's it? the live show date. Yeah. Why have they brought the game on our live show date still? I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah. They're in the no, office and like, you know what you should do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know what would slightly miff Jameson? Yeah, do that. <laughs> Uh, that's right, yeah. Sixth sixth of November, uh, we're at the Nottingham Canal House as part of the Nottingham Comedy Festival. Tickets are priced at five pounds. Um, it's fun, it's gonna be great. We're, we're advertising it, Steve, as not just a live podcast recording, but also as an as a wider FM community meetup. And that's mm. that's I think is why we why people should be coming, am I right? Absolutely, yeah. And also just the beautiful city of Nottingham itself, if you're sort of yeah. um you know, many transport links. One great train from St. Pancras uh, if you're coming from London or multiple places elsewhere in the East Midlands. Um, not that London is in the East Midlands. You know what I mean? It's as, got lots of train proven, access. As proven from last year, people flew in from Denmark. So it also has an airport. It does. Uh, Robin Hood International Airport, I believe, from memory. Mm. Um, yeah, no, so as I've mentioned previously on previous shows, I spent three, three or four wonderful years studying in Nottingham. So it's a gorgeous city. So if you do... Um, if you're local to, then the, the Indigo bus route can get you from Derby, from all the various cities around. Lovely purple buses, colour of Fiorentina. Um, very easy to get to um, from towns nearby and back, of course. Uh, if you're coming from further afield and you want to sort of spend a day in Nottingham as well, it's a beautiful city to walk around. Market Square, uh, the big lines around the building there and everything 
from Market Square, you can get to the Canal House very easily too. The Canal House itself is right by the station. You come out of the main building, turn left, you're there. There's yeah. also lovely other pubs like the uh, the old trip to Jerusalem, founded in 1189 AD, the oldest inn in England, which is the Lionheart on the way to the Crusade. Stopped Ooh. in there, hence the name, the old trip to Jerusalem. Um, they stopped in for a pint on the way to do the Crusade. They did, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, yeah, it did. If you're I not mean, in a rush, been... I suppose. <laughs> should, we have a quick, should we have a quick pint in here before Swift the Crusades? Before, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, if you're, you know, a great opportunity, as Tony mentioned, to come and chat with like-minded people, all things FM, and um, but enjoy the day, enjoy the, enjoy a beautiful city in and of itself. Um, if you're going to come from, <clears throat> excuse me, far afield, so um, and then once you've had a lovely day, swing over to the Canal House in the evening, five quid ticket, bit of FM. Obviously, you know, day itself, the new game is out. Lots of things to talk to about and react to. So if that whets your appetite, um, the ticket link is in the description of the podcast on both the audio and the video feed um so come along come along bring your laptops we're gonna have a bit to chat about aren't we to be honest um yes do of course get those tickets it's gonna be fun um but in regards to fm24 features that have been announced uh, since our last episode, Steve, at the time mm. of recording as well. Yeah. We are aware that there is another roadmap release at some yeah. point this week, according to the uh, the, 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 the graphics. Um, they have discussed intermediaries to help offload players. Yeah, there's increased agent involvement as well. And what we'll say too is that we'll just whiz through these and when Aaron's mm-hmm. back as well, we'll go into more detail. And obviously additional roadmap will give us more to go into. But just a quick yeah. whiz through, as you, as you say, increased agent involvement um, in terms of that market interest, which is another factor to consider. Um, you know, interaction um, in terms of like performance targets, which is an interesting thing to wonder about. Yeah, I saw that one. That's quite a nice one. Sort of basically saying, oh, why wouldn't you just get like an average of seven over the next five games or something or mm. target setting, which again is quite, could be quite nice for incentives, I suppose, which again leads into this whole uh, improvement with regards to conversations, interactions within mm. the game. I know they're trying to make it a more immersive universe. So again, another step towards that. And they're saying there's less, uh, so there's more more AI prompts in that as well. So again, that should be a little bit more varied than, mm. than previous versions. Um, improving the staff meetings too was interesting, I thought, in terms of, um, you know, you have your weekly staff meeting and sometimes you're like, oh, meh. Um, also, the thing of like, I have meetings in work life. Why do I have meetings here? But anyway, they are generally useful. So actually tweaking, oh, excuse me, there's a little burp there. Uh, <laughs> um, tweaking those, even making them more useful, will be great from a week-to-week development, showing you stuff. Uh, mm. And of course, very exciting new country. The J League, mm. the J League, not just the J League, but J two and J three as well. Now, I, Steve, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm very, very excited about that because, like, there's something just quite magical about the J League. I think, and I don't know whether it's because we haven't been able to have it before, and you always want what mm. you can't have, right? <laughs> and obviously, there's been there's been licensing reasons as to why the J League has never been in, and, and of course, the Japanese national team as well. Um, but 30 years worth of J-League football this year, the J-League itself have made a massive deal about this. And of course, broadcasts games on, on YouTube in English as well. Um, it's it's just, if ever there was a time, this is like the perfect mm. time to get in. And and I'm 
I'm really excited. Like, I don't know about yourself, Steve, but is it is it a league that's ever been on your radar or, or even something you're going to consider going forward? Or I think as you, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? That, that, that literally you said the sort of 30-year anniversary. So what's that? Uh, 2013, 1993. Like, I remember that, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously being an Arsenal fan, the, the main reference point you have for the J-League is the fact that Arsene Wenger managed there, you know, in between mm-hmm. Monaco to the to, uh, the J League and then two R's. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Ange Postacoglu obviously managed, managed there as well, more recently yeah. too. Um, and so it's quite, and actually, what is really interesting from the FM perspective is you look at, I think Celtic under Ange Postacoglu brought in some really good Japanese players, didn't they? So actually, mm. in terms of having a fresh area to source players from, it could be a really um, positive addition as well as. I think at the moment, IRL, like people like Juan Mata are there. Andres Iniesta was there very recently. Yeah. Um, Shinji Kagawa, obviously Japanese international, but, you know, mm-hmm. play for Dortmund, play for Man United. So it's got that, that kind of vibe of, like, um, a good place for to go and be like, oh, I can I can manage a 36-year-old Juan Mata and just, like, you know. Exactly. And, you know, with the players, like, players like Matoma as well, obviously, coming through through Brighton as well so yeah. it's uh yeah it's going to be an interesting mm. untapped market I think which could be uh could be quite yeah. good fun and it will be something that we'll look at later down the line as yeah. well because we are going to try when FM24 comes out we're going to do sort of like um like league in focus sort of episodes so for people who maybe don't know much about the J League we'll give you an episode as to hey yeah. you know what this is why you might want to consider it this is the sort of teams you might want to look out for yeah. um but that of course will come in the future uh previous uh, discussions again were with regards to the 10 commandments uh, we will get around to this eventually Steve won't we? it just feels like we sort of we, we pitch it like we went, oh, let's do the Ten Commandments. Then SI went, let's release a video game. And we went, oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. They went, let's do the Ten Commandments. Then Aaron went, oh, I'm a bit ill. So again, put a pin in it. Keep telling us what your Ten Commandments might be. Send us them via Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube comments, of course, Discord. Get the comments in Discord. It's a great place to hang out. We've got loads and loads of people now joining the Discord. Or, of course, send us uh, those comments via email at the FM Show Pod. That's the FM Show Pod at gmail.com. And remember, we also have a Patreon. Now, Patreon, if you don't know, is a great way to support us and the podcast if you can afford it, okay? If you can afford it, you can then sign up to become a member of the FM Show team, which gives you exclusive bonus content, early access to the public episodes, which uh, I believe also are ad-free, and a private Discord channel from as little as £3 per month. To sign up, visit patreon.com forward slash the FM Show pod and become a member just like Evan O'Donnell did this week. So we appreciate you, Evan. Your support means the world to us, and of course, everyone else who has signed up via Patreon. Um, thank you. Thank you, is what we need to say. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, Aaron is ill, Steve. So mm. I took the liberty. I see that face already going, you did what? And like, no, mm. no, no. I took the liberty of getting us a guest for today's mm. show. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This is not chat. not doing a production meeting live on the show table. We've been through this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. You did what? Yeah, yeah. No, you couldn't I... just send a WhatsApp. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I went and had a chat with Second Yellow Card. Oh, nice. Yeah, and if you don't know who Second Yellow Card is, he is a football manager streamer. He's got around fifty thousand YouTube subscribers, and does loads of really interesting FM experiments. Mm. So here is my chat with Second Yellow Card. 
Support for the FM show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million, 8 million men worldwide, including us three, who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, our loyal listeners and viewers. If you use the code FMSHOW at manscaped.com, you will get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. We are so excited to have Manscaped on board as a sponsor. I've been using the products for ages. They've sent us the performance package and it includes this, the Lawnmower 4.0. Now, I am a 43-year-old man. I Manscaped myself. I treat this a little bit like trying to do a football pitch. So I get stripes in there. I'm doing circles, I'm doing zigzags if I feel a bit exotic. <laughs> the 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's waterproof, which means no more mess on the bathroom floor and also has a 4000K LED spotlight for a more precise shave. Yes, they sent us the performance package. I've got the whole box, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0, but also the Weed Whacker, which cuts your hair and your nose hairs as well. So we've got that also that came in the box. We've got the Crop uh, Preserver, sorry, Bull Deodorant, and we've also got the Crop Reviver, your Bull Toner. Also lovely, a bit of an underrated thing that comes in this box as well. Boxes. The boxes are absolutely comfortable and you also get this nice, gorgeous travel bag with it. So if you want to upgrade your grooming, go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping worldwide by using the code FMSHOW. <laughs> That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code FMSHOW. As always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Back to the episode. Joining me, the first ever guest on the current iteration of the FM show. Everyone, say hello to Second Yellow Card. Hello. I'm the guest on not everyone. <laughs> I've anything, I'm the opposite of everyone. No, no, you've, you've got to say hello to everyone as well. Hello, so, everyone. There you go. Um, second Yellow Card, for those people who maybe don't know who you are, I suppose... We'll do an introduction, we'll do a proper introduction. Uh, can you tell everyone what it is, what it is you do while you're here? I mean, I, I play football manager as a job, which is a strange sentence. I think that's the best way of describing it. Uh, it's, how I, it's what I tell people when they ask me what I do, and then they look at me kind of like, mm-hmm, sure you are, sure you do. <laughs> yeah, just going, mm, no, yeah, but what's your real job? Yeah, yeah um, a way of saying unemployed. Um, because that's the thing, because you, you went you went full you're full time full time content creator, so Twitch and YouTube and making your making your living that way, playing playing this 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 wonderful game. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a weird world, but I'm loving it. Excellent. And in that in that you're probably known for, I would say, the Builder Nation save. You say yeah. build a nation, second yellow card's name comes up pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's become sort of my my actual, my positive pigeonhole, so to speak. It's, it's a pigeonhole I'm happy to live in with the pigeons because I like building a nations. And 
it's the save that kind of got me going on Twitch properly, really. And I don't know, it's just the, mo- it's the most fun I have on FM is building a nation saves. Just, it's there's something about it that just does good things in my brain compared to any other save. I never get bored of doing them and I never get bored in the middle of them. And that's what you're looking for out of an FM save, really, isn't it? Mm, yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. And especially as well, because they are, they are long-term. They are long-term. This is your, like, your one save, essentially, for the game cycle. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like you, you can't do a short-term building. In a, well, I suppose you could. You could start with England and do it in one season. But for me, it's building. A, it's like Gaudi's Cathedral Basilica. Like It's never finished, really, with me. And it probably won't be until I somehow pull off a way of actually getting a nation to number one. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's the thing then. So so first of all, let's strip this all back. Okay, right? So we might have people listening or watching who go, right, what build a nation like what is that so let, let's let's describe it first of all break it down into it into its small pieces then we'll start we'll start adding adding the layers to it so so build a nation take us from the very beginning yeah so i mean i think there is sometimes confusion around what it is because a lot of people sort of use the same terminology to describe trying to make a national team better that has never been my prerogative because that's it doesn't have the same level of fun to me so what i'm doing when i do a building a nation save is i'm trying to make a league any chosen league the best league in europe and the way i measure that is either reputation but that's a bit more finickety mostly the measure i use is the coefficient charts that you use to get into european football i'm sure most of that have played fm will be familiar with the coefficient charts particularly now given that the game puts more emphasis on them especially with the new champions league and the way that positions are worked out to see which nations get extra spots and all that jazz the idea being to try to get your nation to the very top of that coefficient chart and uh, well as i found out over the last few years getting past england is an absolute behemoth of a task that's virtually impossible but that's what keeps me coming back because i feel like it might actually be possible and and that's essentially the the overall goal of the save but you're supposed to do it well the way i do it is through managing a single club rather than moving club all the time to try and strengthen them you're trying to strengthen the whole league while managing one team and that's that's where the problems come in Hmm. Okay, because this is something that that's on my radar. Now we spoke about this like, off camera, like over the last few weeks and stuff. And stuff. This is on my radar for FM twenty four. Okay, because I'm one for um the the lads on on the podcast will 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 attest. I'm one for making football manager not fun. Um and needless, basically finding a save that's needlessly tough. Um and I and I've I've seen what you're doing and that's inspired me to to really take that level of FM sadness one step higher. Yeah. Um now. You're saying there, first of all, about the idea of being a one-club save. Now, can you, just for myself more than anything, and possibly for people listening at home, can you do it after you've been sacked? Can you just go, well, it wasn't really a one-club save. I'm building the nation, so I might have to manage all the teams in the nation eventually. Can you do it that way? Yeah, I mean, we've always had this contingency in the background, like break glass in case of sacking. If this was to happen, what would we do? And thankfully, to this point, it's never happened. It did come very, very close during the Norway one because we won season, somehow didn't win the league after like 17 years straight winning the league. Somehow, one of the other Norwegian sides just went like super scion on us and ended up actually beating us the league title and we were very close to getting sacked from that because of it but i think it was just a case of because we'd had so much like history with the club and it built up they were willing to give us another chance and obviously we absolutely walked the league the following year but the general rule we use is if you do get sacked we've normally by that point picked another pet team that we quite Mm. enjoy in the save and we're just following their success and that's usually the one we would take over i don't know what the contingency really was with the the norway one but when we were in ireland the plan was to take over longford town because they had a tycoon with Norway, with uh, Hungary, the plan was to take over at um, Haladash just because they were awesome and it was fun to see their rise and it'd be cool to take over them too. So luckily it hasn't happened. And thankfully with being the end of the save, it hasn't happened this time around. God knows what will happen next year though. 
Hmm, I was say because I, I tentatively looked at it on FM twenty two, I think it was, and I was like, "Hey, let's build a nation in Indonesia." And then after five seasons, I'd managed four clubs in Indonesia, and I was like, "I'm not so much building a nation, more, <laughs> more, more basically visiting the nation, <laughs> traveling uh, the nation." Exactly, like exactly. Yeah, I was, and I, I was, I was very much, I was very much uh, appreciating the culture, uh, and that's what I was doing there. So, so I am going to try and revisit it in FM twenty four. Now, obviously, looking at some of the new features that have been announced, things that instantly jumped out to me not not a building nation aficionado, unlike yourself, but things like potentially dynamic league funding, mm-hmm. something that could, I'm guessing, take the building nation to another level. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we're, the database we're preparing for the next one was going to have some elements of that in it already, but because we were making sure it would do. Uh, but even so, there's a limit to what you can do with the TV stuff. It, you sort of have to fix it and it doesn't really move that much. That's one of the biggest issues with it. But with these new TV deals that are allegedly in the game and the fact that in the screenshots it was shown in a made up league gives me hope that this isn't just a kind of this will only affect the premier league type of thing as often sometimes happens with these new features it looks to me as if it will roll out in the grand scheme of things across all of them and in my head my first thing really was okay cool so it's a fixed length tv deal which means it expires which means it has to be renewed and that number will change as they showed in the screenshots in the article so those numbers have to be based on something there has to be a variable that it's using and surely the variables that it would be using would be things like the reputation of the league and the clubs within it as well as potentially the european coefficient which will often come they're kind of tied together which gives me hope that provided it scales in the right way i hope that it's not just like yeah it will go up but it won't go up that much i'm hoping that it really scales in line with the other league so if your reputation reaches that of la liga you get a tv deal that is equivalent of la liga and that is a different kettle of fish entirely if you're getting suddenly if the the worst team in malta as an example is getting 40 million a year in tv money rather than 250,000 pounds oh that's a huge deal and with the other things we're putting in place to, to deal with like sponsorship scaling and prize money scaling it could be genuinely perfect for building a nation. It's the, probably the best year ever to do it is FM24 by the looks of things from what we've seen so far. Mm, absolutely. And obviously that's, that's again, just, just wets people's appetites going, oh, you know, because obviously historically there was this whole dynamic youth rating, I think, <laughs> because no one saw the, saw the screenshots of it. Yeah. People's expectations were, oh, it'll work like this rather than now, as you say, there's a screenshot there. This is what we think the, the TV deals are going to work with. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. That does work roughly with with what I'm thinking. So um, so that could be exciting then, really, really exciting about that. Um, in terms of... Of of making a nation save now. Obviously, you're very you you pick your nations. Um, slight off the beaten track, I would say is probably the the easiest one. Again, you take a save, you make it more difficult. Like you could, for example, do build a nation Scotland. Scotland's ranked about what ninth, I think, in the in the the, the sort of European uh, coefficients at the start of the season. Now, again, following what you've been doing, your recommendation to anyone who's thinking about doing something like this appears to not be take the best team in the nation and try and win the Champions League with that team mm. because that doesn't enhance everyone else. Is that right? Yeah, because the way I look at it is just if you take a league, for example, um, let's just any league really, but particularly outside of like the big 10 leagues or that kind of ilk of nations, you'll find that a lot of these leagues are often dominated by one club or there's like a hegemony of like two or three of these sides. I'm trying to think of an mm. example off the top of my head, but I can't. Say you look to Bulgaria, you've got your Ludogorets, you've got your Locomotive, Plovdiv, those types of teams. Those guys already have inbuilt reputation. They have good players for their level. 
and they can already do stuff in Europe. Not amazing stuff, but they can do stuff. The problem is, if you take over, as an example, um, Ludogorets, for example, you are at best going to make a good team good. You're going to make a good team better. But where, and you're also eliminating a team that could potentially help you. you. You've just lost an ally there, essentially. Whereas if you take over a second tier side in Bulgaria, who maybe have a bit of history and might be worth, you know, a team from the past that might need to come back up, when you then do get to the point where you're then challenging for stuff in the league or in Europe, you've then got extra teams around you that can still kind of do a bit because their reputation, FM's reputation doesn't decay very fast. So Ludogrets will still be able to sign those really good players. Even if you're the dominant side now, they're still going to have that three star rep. They can do stuff in Europe for you. And it's just, it's the best way of doing it to give you the leg up that you need. So I always tend to choose a second tier side most of the time, if I can. This time we're not doing that. We're doing top tier, but it's in Malta. It doesn't really matter, really. As long as you're not doing like Hibernian, Hamrens, Valletta, or one of the really big sides in Malta, you're going to be fine. Mm. Mm. And you say, well, that's in your sort of way of describing it, you're like saying you bring another big table, another big team to the table, essentially. Mm. Like, going like, oh, we've got this big party going on, right? Okay, here's another side to come in to, to make everyone... Um, to, to raise 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 the tide, I suppose. Um, what what pitfalls do we need to look at? I'm, I'm we've talked about positives here about how it sounds fun, right? But what's the potential pitfalls? What am I what what am I and everyone else meant to look out for? The biggest things in terms of pitfalls is that if you are FM is already a, a game that makes you feel a lot like you don't have direct control of things because you don't. You're just fiddling knobs and hoping that the right algorithm produces the correct results. This is that on steroids because not only are you not able to act you know you're not even influencing your own tactics and stuff but you can't directly control what the other teams do they have to you can lead them to water but you've kind of got to drown them in it in order for them to even take a drink a lot of the time and that's one of the biggest frustrations is seeing them consistently make dreadful decisions screw up european games that are desperately important for you to get those coefficient points because you just can't do it by yourself you could win the champions league every single season it wouldn't make any difference if every other team is getting knocked out before they even get into the group stages of stuff it's just worthless at that point and that's one of the biggest pitfalls is just be prepared for frustration of watching a team clap it in the champions league group stages maybe even get like top eight or something as has happened to us then in the first round of knockouts just go you know what don't really feel like it and then just lose 8-1 to manchester city who have finished like 17th in the group stages it will happen you will be annoyed but you've just kind of got to get over that and the other big pitfall really is just that when you're building it that loan farm element of it which is the way that the real mechanic that boosts all the other teams is being able to loan out i think the maximum amount of loans we ended up in this year was 172 players out on loan at one time all to clubs within hungary and that's a lot so sometimes they were fielding entire 11s of players that were out on loan but unless you can get that started at the right time and encourage those loans domestically and i know a lot of people run into this problem you're going to really struggle because they're not going to build themselves they really do need to rely on the players that you give them and keeping them with players that would be in your Champions League winning team still out on loan is the most crucial part of it. And the frustration of them getting an injury right before their loan extension's due and then the club not wanting to extend it because they've got a minor calf injury. And then you've, you're stuck with a 25-year-old that you're never going to get back on loan again, but he's a world-class player. And it's great for you. You get better, but then they're emphatically worse. And it's that frustration that does happen sometimes. Or the worst one is when they'll sack a manager right before the loan extension date and therefore they won't extend any of the loans that you've given them. And they've got like five senior players in the squad. That happened in Ireland too with Sligo. They, mm. they had five players at the club after they gave us 17 loans back. It's just, it's catastrophic, but it's part of the fun as well because they get to rebuild, I suppose. I suppose that must be the thing as well because you're not just spending time making your own side really good and trying to win things and going like, hey, look, you know, I'm not getting sacked. I'm building my own team. 
you're literally building everyone else's teams as well. So you mentioned there this 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 lawn farm. Now, again, you, you've got a YouTube video, which, of course, we'll, we'll link out for, for people to go and have a look at this. Now, give us a very, very quick overview. Like, what, what do you mean by the lawn farm? Some people might understand the term, but maybe some people might need a little bit of clarity on that. What is it and, and how do you do it and why? Well, I mean, the why is a simple one because it's the best way of getting other teams in your nation high quality players for free, essentially, because you're paying their wages and it boosts the quality of their squads. And that in turn, because they have a better quality of squad, allows them to sign higher quality players themselves because one of the things that players look at when they're joining a club is the quality of the squad that's there. You know, often when you're trying to sign a player and they say, you know, you're just not, your squad isn't at the level they would like. Having those players on loan in the way that FM works currently, they take that into account. So if you've got a five-star CA player on loan at, another team in your league that will be a factor when they're choosing to sign players those players will see that and go we want to sign for this club and it really does matter but as for how you go about it it's you want to be starting as soon as possible every single opportunity you get to loan a player out start building just start loaning out players as much as you physically can then once you've started to establish a bit of dominance start signing players for the sole purpose of giving them to other clubs on loan for their entire careers so you're looking at five-star wonder kid players or five-star players for you think how good they'd be for someone else. And mm. after a while, what we start doing is when a player joins or when we're looking at signings, separating them into two categories would be good for us, would be good for them. And if there's some cheap players that you could, when you've got to the point where you've got like a 50 million pound transfer budget, every single year, you want to be picking up 20 players that are just fodder for the loan farm. So like four star potential players that they're never going to play for you. Bring them in, really cheap, nice cheap contracts, eight-year deal, keep their wages down, uh, particularly if they're from a big nation, so you can sh shove in like a international wage clause in there. Keep them out on loan and they will just stay there. We've had players on loan for 17 years to the same club in the current save. A wow. goalkeeper of a club went to them the moment he joined us and retired while he was still out on loan. I think he was 38 because you can do that if you just keep extending the loans. But the key thing about getting them out mm -hmm. is if you, when they sign for you in a transfer window, the moment that they're there, add to development list, you've got to set the development list up correctly, offer out mm. to clubs, you won't get a loan offer. Sometimes you will, but most of the time you won't. Then the next day, do it again. And all of a sudden, loan offers. I don't know mm. why you have to do it twice. It, I can understand the logic to it, but it is a bit silly. And then that will almost always work. I reckon 90% of the time when a player joins us, we get them alone the next day. And sometimes they'll be there for the rest of their career. It, that's mm. so damn important to do that because it's the only way that they're ever going to get better. And then they start winning stuff. They get reputation. They get the better players. It's just a snowball effect after that. But it's starting it early and getting as many out as possible, as early as possible. It's just the most important factor. Mm, okay. And do you reckon, obviously, we, we don't know, but like looking at how the new transfer system appears to be in FM24, we're being told about this new smarter AI uh, transfer system, which to be fair, could be a fantastic uh, thing for, you know, you're playing your normal saves, your AI and now starting to recruit with a specific philosophy or, or method in, in mind. Like, do we think it's going to have a potential impact on things like these loan farms, where if you're trying to get these players out the door, maybe the clubs might be looking at it going, well, actually, we don't really, like, we're looking for something else. Like, maybe they're looking for something different. Like, I don't know whether there's going to have a potential impact possibly on the way you play maybe these transfer rooms these intermediaries like you know can you see a benefit here or, or can you see a potential that oh maybe my maybe my save's gonna get a bit trickier this year it's for me it's both because until we can see how it behaves actually playing the game in the mechanics and the methods that we use it's really hard to know i, I suspect it's going to be a little of column a little of column b so some of those factors might mean that we can get less loans but i suspect that some of the other things that they've added might actually allow us to get more loans so it might end up being 
a case of like 50-50 where, yeah, they might not be looking for that type of player, but we will be able to find them something. And it might also make their own AI transfers better anyway because one of the things that the problems we've noticed is that they don't sign the right types of players they'll often sign players that are like 32 way past it on huge contracts there's no sell on value they lose money and they're stuck with huge contracts this seems to have a lot more intelligence to it which means that we may not need to do as much loan farming because if they're getting more money because of the tv deals when you can almost you can boost the nation to a certain point by yourself without really having to do too much of that because if you are winning the champions league a lot the sheer amount of coefficient points you're generating is going to push it up to like top 10 probably or at least close to that. And even at that stage, with the reputation growth, you'd think that they'd be earning more money from TV deals, which they can then plow in. If the transfer AI is as good as it might potentially be, then it might actually, you might be able to build it more organically. You might not have to cheese it with 172 loans. You might be able to make do with 50 really high quality loans, plus their their actual squad building. That's the dream. And the other thing about it is with these intermediaries, it might make it easier for us to offload players who then don't go out on loan. Thus, because often what happens is when their loans eventually finish, unless they get signed by another Hungarian side in this case, they often get released and signed up by big English sides a lot of the time. This might allow us to preempt that and get actual fees for them a year earlier, which means we can get hundreds of millions in transfer fees, which we can then plow back into the loan farm. It's There's a lot of potential there, but there's also some pitfalls, but it's, you can't really tell until you've got your hands on it properly. Yeah, and I think that's part of when when I initially looked at, the, at this type of save and watching watching you do it. Like my initial thoughts of okay, how you build a nation is all the players have to stay within the, within the nation. You've got to sell them on. I hadn't even considered the loan farm by the way until I, until I watched you do it. I was like, oh yeah, you could loan, couldn't you? Like and just like totally gamify the experiences was really like you're right. The idea of intermediaries could potentially help you sort of go, hey, look, you know. You might want to go to this team. They're really good at developing players because we've seen it before because we've done it uh, for 15 seasons. <laughs> um, so so that could be really, really, uh, really interesting, to be honest, to sort of see um, how that goes on. Um, I mean, again, like looking at picking that nation, I suppose, really comes down to like things like sort of the, the fluidity of the rules. Like, um, like for example, I'm, I'm, I'm doing Greece uh in fm24 that's my uh nation to to attempt to uh to 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 build um based primarily on now tell me if this is a good idea or a bad idea matt the fact that english players count as eu that was something i thought that maybe that's long term that could benefit me it will because one of the things we talk about in current save is english tax so Mm we will sometimes sign players that are released by English sides for the sole purpose of selling them back to English sides two years later uh, and getting 20, 30 million pounds for them, particularly if they start getting on the fringes of the international setup. Mm. And with them being eligible means you can play them, you can develop these English players. And you because of the homegrown rules that England requires, they want these English players that have got homegrown status. And it puts huge amounts of points on their value. So just for that alone, it's going to be great, particularly as English clubs produce really good players. A lot of the time they just get released, even if they've got high potential because there's no room in the squads. You can just harvest those guys, those 22, 23 year olds that are released by big six, seven clubs. Oh, it's good. That's what you want. Mm. That is what I want. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. I'm hoping that's going to help me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so so that, that was one plan. Obviously, Greece has been my, has been my plan, but I must admit, I wobbled. I wobbled a little bit last week when FM announced that the J League was coming. Mm. And, oh, I wobbled. I wobbled. I, like, you know, oh, I was like a pendulum. I'll be honest. I was going, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? I, I don't know. I, I think there's something. A, a person of my age has a thing with the J League where it was, 
Transworld Sport. Yes. Early morning on a Saturday or late Sunday, you know, watching that and being like, that looks different. That looks interesting. That looks exciting. And the J-League got me so hyped that they're getting at this year. Like, what about yourself? Are you are you on the train or are you like, yeah, it's another league and it's just interesting? I'm on the train. I feel like I'm in the buffet car watching people enjoy themselves. Like, oh, nice. I'm <laughs> not like personally stupidly invested in it, but I, I'm really excited that it's in the game because I'm always happy to see new licenses and new leagues, particularly in new territories. Um, and Japan's a huge video gaming market and they love football. So it makes sense just in terms of just the synergistic nature of it to, to make that move and to get the top three leagues as well, not just like the single J league, top mm. three leagues, all licensed, all awesome. That's amazing. Potentially might also provide some stuff for the na- Japanese national team no longer being such a gray area in the game. Yeah. But I mean, personally, it's not something I'm going to do as a save, but I'm really excited for everybody else. And I too, like I remember, I think it was Saturday mornings on Sky. There used to be like a J league highlight show that used to air. This was probably like early noughties where... I would just be as a kid fascinated by it because of the, the team names and you know Uara Wed Diamonds and Kashima Antlers and Kashiwa Raysol and all these teams was just cool names, cool kits, cool colours, cool everything was very vibrant about yeah. it. And it was just a really cool league. It's like I said, it's not probably a, a save I'm going to do, but damn, I'm really I'm excited for everybody else. I can I'm excited for their excitement. Mm, absolutely. And I also also by the shout out to Jeff United. Because there's not enough yes. teams named, named after dads, is there? <laughs> to be honest, Jeff. like, good Jeff. Oh, there's Jeff. Your dependable Jeff United over there. People never going anywhere, but it's fine. He's just there for a good yeah, time. Exactly. Just He's there to support the, the other cars, making sure everyone gets there on time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's a possible. The J League might again be be something that we're going to talk about a bit later on as FM twenty four gets in. But of course, FM twenty three is not finished yet as well. We should probably say uh, at this time, and people can still enjoy their saves obviously fm24 would allow you to bring your fm23 save potentially into fm24 if you want to continue for example say you haven't finished your builder nation um but matt you have just about finished or are due to wrap up um uh, builder nation what what are you going to do in the meantime then is there such a thing as downtime for a creator between end of save and, and start of new cycle yeah, I mean, I mean, there should be really because it's uh, particularly if you're full time, you need a work life balance like you would in mm. any other job. And I've been guilty in the past of not doing that and then burning out massively. And I was determined not to let that happen um, because I'm one of those people that if I have the opportunity, I'll just keep working. And it's great and all, but you do realize after a while that you just need a little rest. So from like literally after a couple, a couple of days from now, I'm going to be off for like 11 days, go on holiday with my girlfriend, just relax a little bit before we come back and do some little fun one-off saves on stream to get us through until the beta drops and i think that's Mm -hmm. just just wets the whistle gets you excited do some interesting stuff things that you wouldn't normally get to do just fun stuff basically and that's what i've got planned for when i come back Mm, okay so so what what have you got then because this i think this is what people maybe find struggling with with you know the 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 beta access as well that early access those little sort of short saves like obviously we've got people who listen to this podcast who love little short saves or people who who love those long-term journeys if someone's wanting just a, something a bit fresh for a few weeks, a couple of months maybe to tide them over, um, what sort of stuff would you be recommending? I see you've done things um, in my neck of the woods, the uh, the relegation area. 
Yeah, I mean, that was something I liked. That was a, a great idea when I was on YouTube doing that properly, was just little survival specialist save where the idea was every single season in January, I'd find the team. I'd, uh, it was a journeyman still, so I wasn't just putting myself in charge of the clubs. I was applying for the jobs at mm. teams that were in the relegation zone with the idea of basically saving them and then moving on to the next one. And then you can do it season by season. You get to visit loads of clubs. You can turn loads of leagues on and have a bloody great time. I did like, Netherlands, Germany, uh, Spain, poorly, England, just to get some fun out of it. So you get like new, fresh stuff every single time. I don't think I'd revisit that this time, but that's a great idea if you want to just a, a little short something that's tied you over. And you never know, you might fall in love with the team and then you can transfer your save different 24 because that's not a thing we've ever had before. So it almost feels like short-term saves don't even have to be short-term saves anymore. You could start a brand new save that you fall in love with and just go, yeah, screw it. That's going to be my starting save for 24 as well because why the hell not? Some of the stuff, I like national team saves as well, short-term, because there's a limit to how far you can go with them sometimes and the national team management and FM has been a bit wonky for a while now but it's wonkiness is also kind of charming when you know that you're not going to be in it for too long it doesn't start to get irritating on you and so one of the things i'm thinking about when i come back when i say thinking we're going to be doing some like one-off national team saves but mm. with an edited idea where some of the two a couple of the youtube videos i've done where we take over a nation with the idea of winning the world cup with them but with players that had their second nationality moved over to play for them so one of the things i want to do mm. when we come back is straight away do a nigeria one where all the nigerian players with second nationality sorry, all the players that have Nigerian second nationality are now eligible for Nigeria. We're in charge of the team. Can we win a World Cup with this team, with the likes of Bukayo Saka and people like that in the squad? And then throughout the save as well, any new players that come through that also have Nigerian second nationality, bang, we move them over. They're all Nigerian as well now. A couple of those be really, really fun because I really enjoy doing it on YouTube. And I think the live environment will make it even more chaotic. And chaos is a good thing, provided you can harness it. Mm, exactly and, and as well you can take advice from people as well and say oh have you checked this but this person's got someone as well who's a yeah. second nationality because did you did um you did suriname as yep. well is that right yeah i did suriname yeah. the first one i did was suriname just because i'd always had mm. this idea about whether they could actually do it and that just kind of blew up and mm. then i went well fine we're going to do some more of these because i just have a great time doing it it's just like hey let's just sit here for an entire day recording simming laughing at the weird stuff that happens and finding the next wonder kid that's got second nationality and trying to see if something massive will happen and that's part of the fun. Nothing's really happened in the grand scheme, but everyone seems to love it. And I really like doing it too, because it's just, there's less control. I actually sometimes just like taking a back seat and watching other stuff happen. Obviously, if we were doing it on stream, we'd be actually managing the team, but which might give them an even better chance, actually, if you've got the right tactics. Mm, okay, excellent. Love that. So that's, that's a nice little short term. Eh? Um, anything else that you could sort of recommend if someone's maybe thinking, okay, well, look, you know what? I'm ready for an FM24. I'm already starting to pitch my idea in my head as to what I'm thinking for next for next year. Well, what would you pitch someone as something interesting? For FM24, there isn't mm. a building a nation save. I mean, my second favourite type of save is what I call Outcaster Icons, which is just, it's a European journeyman at its heart, but it's got like some caveats on top of that. So generally speaking, you can't do... Well, you can do this anytime you like, but I like to do it midway in the cycle when you've got all the extra downloadable leagues that you can get. So you can turn on every single nation in Europe, which is what I like to do. And PC hates me for it, but hey, you know, you can <laughs> live with it. And... I turn on every single league I could possibly find down to like the lowest divisions for some of them. Obviously, I, I try not to go into the amateur leagues because it can get a bit... FM's not really good at handling that a lot of the time. But the aim is basically you want to start with zero coaching badges, start the smallest way possible, unemployed, and work your way up to winning the Champions League. Relatively straightforward. The twist with Outcaster uh, Icons, with Outcaster Icons, is you do it in a Scottish accent. Um, is you <laughs> it's a strange twist, a really strange twist. You You've must... got to do it in a Scottish accent. Yeah, it's just oh, interesting. It's the only rule. There are no rules except for that. I can see why you're doing it in the mid-cycle. You've obviously got the build-up to learn that, first exactly. of all. It takes some time. Plus, you have to spin a wheel at the start to decide which accent, which part of Scotland is it, Arbroath, Inverness. It's tough. And... Um, 
the idea is that you have to win the Champions League with a team that's never been in a European final, ever. So that counts. Europa League, Cup Winners' Cup, Champions League, all of those. And so you do need a spreadsheet. But luckily, we have a spreadsheet that has all that stuff listed in it, so we can cross-reference it if there's any kind of jobs coming up. But the other twist of that is, it also counts for the save. So during the save, if teams get to European finals, any of the big three finals, they're now off the list as a team that you can manage, which means that you're going to be limited to which teams you can manage when you get towards the top. And the secondary twist on it is that if you lose a final when you get to one of them with that team, you then have to resign. You can't stay in charge of that team if you bottle it because now they've reached the final and you've not won it. So that's the twist on it. And you have to try and basically win yourself a European final without losing one of them with a team that's never won one before or even been in a final. Um, Obviously, if you win the Conference League, you can keep your job. But yeah, if you lose, you have to go. So that's puts a bit of peril on there. You get the European journeyman element you get the job hunting it's just a really fun vibe and you get to manage in leagues that you wouldn't normally get to manage in and that's part of the fun i've never thought about managing in belarus or the north macedonian league but boy are they fun Mm, i like the sound of that i love the sound i can hear some people listening they're just twitching (laughs) going but that's not real madrid like they're so but (laughs) you know but i love it i love it and again of course remember everyone back at home play the game of course however however you wish but that sounds a really, really cool way of doing things. Obviously, Build a Nation as well. Can't wait for uh, FM24's Build a Nation, which I think you've already touched upon there, is Malta, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah it was... so we're looking forward to that. And, of course, um, all YouTube content as well is, is available. Um, Matt, pleasure, obviously, having you on. If people want to find your content, find your stream, find your videos, where can they do all that sort of stuff? Uh, and, obviously, to keep up, up to date with, with, with what you got going on in FM24. Yeah, so I mean, the, the two main places would be Twitch and YouTube. So twitch.com, sorry, no, twitch.tv forward slash second yellow card and then youtube.com forward slash second yellow card um, for the Twitch is more for the Let's Play stuff and the vibes and the environment with the chat and stuff. And it's always a good time. Uh, I get to be more myself and just kind of relax and play some football manager in a sort of more relaxed environment while still getting incredibly angry at the game when it cheeses me. You know the rules. And then the YouTube side of things is less of the Let's Play stuff, more of just me going, waking up in the middle of the night and going, that'll be a fun idea. Let's make a weird video about that. <laughs> that and that's all i've been doing for the past year just working through all the ideas i've ever had about fm and going yeah wouldn't it be cool if promotion was randomized out of 1400 clubs or wouldn't it be cool if you got released after you scored a goal in the premier league just testing out with what wouldn't it be cool if oldham played on mount everest and so on it would be cool it, it would, would be, be very cool. cool yeah yeah and you know what i'm sure there's a video that you've made that we can go and check that out so we can Do you know check there just might see. be Oh, lovely. Excellent. Well, um, Matt, always a pleasure. Thank you, of course, for, for coming on and, and talking to us. I'm sure we'll get you uh, back on as FM24 is released. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. And we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. We've got a live show coming up on Monday the 6th of November in Nottingham at the Canal House. It's part of the Nottingham Comedy Festival. If you're interested in coming to see the FM show live, seeing myself, seeing producer Steve, seeing RDF Tactics in person, then there's a ticket link in the description below. The tickets are priced at £5. Come and see the show. Come and hang out afterwards. We'll do a bit of a meet and greet. We'll do a bit of a chat. We'll talk FM. Bring your stories. Bring Matt Doherty if you can. But yeah, Monday the 6th of November, the Canal House in Nottingham, £5, ticket link in the description below. Get your tickets, come and hang out. It's going to be fantastic. Right, Steve, mailbag time. Time to go through that correspondence. What have we got this week? 
Yes, first up is an email which you can get from the FM show pod at gmail.com. That's where we get them. You can send them to the the at FM show pod at gmail.com, just like Joe Markland. Um, this is a follow up question in regards to when we we're talking about uh, setting players for release uh, a few mm. episodes back now, in terms of your, um, I think it was the end of season review one, wasn't it, Tony, when you were talking about. So, yeah. mm a way to help your financial planning is to set a player for release. It it shows you've got a bit more wage and therefore transfer to juggle with. Joe's question was, um, or an expression of hesitance really, because he thought that by telling players that they're being released at the end of the season, does that result in a loss of form slash effort? Um, does using this option literally just impact the finance projection, projections? Mm-hmm. Or does it also let the player know that you won't be requiring their services anymore? Now, Tony, your experience of this, what's, have you ever seen that? I've not necessarily noticed a drop-off per se. Mm. Um, I will caveat that with most of the time when I'm releasing players is players who aren't going to be part of the first-team squad anyway, or they sort of are, they already know that they're not in my plans. But even, and I am thinking there was a player I had at Spurs recently who was, who he got, he got an extension of a year's contract the previous year. Then that year was running out we got to the end of the season, he was on like 170 grand or whatever. Like I set him for release and he was still performing pretty well match days. Um, so it is anecdotal. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's any actual data behind it, but I don't think that it has a negative impact. Obviously that, that financial projection is, is the main benefit for you that you then know that, right. We don't take that person's wages into consideration, but as I say, anecdotally, I haven't seen a drop-off in form or, or happiness or anything like that. Um, let us know. Let us know if, if, mm. if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, as I say, I, I haven't seen it myself. I think also there are so many other additional factors too that affect player mm. morale, right? Because as you, as you just said, the, you know, I think most in most circumstances, surely it's going to be a person that you don't need in your squad anymore. So that's why you're setting them for release. Therefore, do you care, maybe, is part mm. of the question. Um, but you, you also know. have those players as well who mid-season will choose to see out the remainder of their contract and they'll opt to, to not renew. Mm. And I don't think that has a negative impact on their performances either. Like if they are literally saying that they'll consider their options, like there's a high chance that they want them to leave. But I think that they, like you don't, they don't play up to like sort of be in the transfer window, essentially put themselves in the shop window and be like, hey, look at me, like look how great I am. But they also don't go inside themselves and be like, well, you know, hey, I'll get a free transfer at the end of the season. Like so, mm. again, I, I I don't know for definite, but from what I've seen, I don't think it has a negative impact. But and I'm as you happy say, to be sounds, proved wrong. And also, like it sounds like the financial projections is still worth the possible consequence of that being the case, and. You know, as as we say, if it's likely that it's a player who's a fringe player not playing at all, their morale is probably affected more by the fact they're not demonstrably affected by the fact they're not playing mm. rather than they've been set for release sort of thing. So, but it's a good question, Joe, and thanks for sending it in. Mm, absolutely. Uh, another good question as well uh, from Metalamuse <clears throat> in Discord. It's one I've tried to answer, Steve. Now, they have said, Metalamuse has said, on the squad comparison screen, mm. are the figures absolute or variable depending upon your analyst's quality now what metallamuse is meaning at this point is when you go into your squad report screen and you've got all the you've got the bar charts for where your players fall within the within the league so for example you can see how tall your players are compared to the rest of the team in the squad you can see how strong your players are how good jumping they are what their finishing is um and 
you can split that by position or you can split that like or you can have it as the whole squad now i've responded with i think this is based on your analysts quality and your mm. scouts and, and coaches quality now the reason that i've said that is because i play with attribute masking on mm. so i don't know the exact attributes of every player in the league so that's what i'm basing my assumption on that logically if my scouts don't know every single attribute of the players in the league then my coaches wouldn't know every single attribute of every single player in the league so how would we know for definite that we have players who are absolutely quicker or absolutely have best first touch or who absolutely have best decision making i treat that as a guide that i'm probably in that ballpark yeah and i think actually if you look elsewhere in the game um for example with scouting for players you'll get a, a player who initially is they're like a plus you must sign this player whatever happens and you ask for the full depth knowledge and they come back saying, oh, actually, it's not very good. I've got a bit too carried mm -hmm. away there. So that mentally means point in terms of the um, the data bit shifting depending on your analysis, I think, is it rings true there. Uh, again, mm -hmm. in the data hub as well, you, you have a look at it. Uh, and this is performance analysts rather than scouts or elsewhere. But if you are in the data hub, you'll see um, either a red, amber or green status which says advanced mm. or medium or terrible analysis not those precise words but you see my mm. point and that's based on the number and quality of your performance analysts there therefore it would make sense that that is consistent through else through mm. other areas too that's mm. his our just, best guess just to counter my argument back though <laughs> because i play with attribute masking on mm. and i don't know the attributes potentially if you have attribute masking off and you can see all the attributes, then maybe that should be exact because then you would know. Yeah. Could well be. Could well be. We don't be. know is the answer, Metallic <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> we enjoyed trying to figure out for you. So anyway. If you do know, get in touch and let us know because I think, I think for one, Steve, I think what I've said has logic in there somewhere. I think so. I think so. Just in terms of like the sort of um, mechanics of the game elsewhere, it would make sense for that to be applied uh, yeah. in the same way too because otherwise, how would you get um, any sense of competitive advantage? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, exactly. How do, and how do resources affect it at all sort of thing. Um, but good, very insightful question from uh, one of our listeners. Thank you very much, Metalli Muse. Mm -hmm. um, Final bit of correspondence for today is from Dennis Pearl. Uh, Dennis says, hi, all love the show. Thank you very much, Dennis. You've paid the toll you may enter. Mm -hmm. um, love the game. Uh, very slow player here. That's fine. Don't worry. You know, um, we all play in different ways and all, all are welcome in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in the show, in this universe. Um, Dennis says it can take months in real life to get just to Christmas, so the sort of halfway point of the season. Again, fine. A bit like real life, really. Instead yeah. of taking months to get to Christmas. Um how time works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dennis is a fan. <laughs> just how time works. <laughs> Solving all of the world's big problems in the show today. Um, so Dennis likes the lower leagues um, because um, they feel less guilty about ruining the hopes and dreams of smaller fan bases. So fewer people, <laughs> fewer people to disappoint. 
thousands rather than tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions. Um, He's a man after my own heart. I love that. I love yeah. that. <laughs> idea going, yeah. Well, I'm going to upset less people this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say a way to go through life, I suppose. Yes. But, um, so Dennis has uh, requested or suggested, um, so they'd love a show on planning for games. Um because apparently there's more to it than accepting every assistant manager opposition instruction um, and reacting to the opposition in-game, um, which, yeah, we will. We'll do a section on that, Dennis. And I don't know if it'll be a whole show. We'll sort of we'll figure it out and see um, if there's a whole show or whether it's just a section within the show. But, um, yeah, that's a great idea, and um, I agree. It's a great – there's lots of things you can do in-game. And, you know, we speak about tactics and, you know, these sort of seemingly set-in-stone – principles that you can have but it's very much game state related so i think that'd be really interesting to sort of uh go through that in a future episode at some point so thank you very much for that correspondence um dennis absolutely because of course as you say setting a game up is perfect but if that plan goes out the window after five minutes what do you do then so yeah absolutely we'll uh we'll definitely have some uh information about that if of course you have any other ideas for topics you might want us to cover at some point during the show it might be a full episode it might just be a little bit of advice steve like that um, or you've just got a question for us in general and you want to drop us an email please feel free to send emails through to the fm show pod that's the fm show pod at gmail.com or of course remember to follow us on all the social media the links are all in the description of the podcast and that was episode 10 of the FM show, hosted by myself, Tony Jameson. Our guest today was Second Yellow Card. Our producer was producer Steve Hankey. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. <laughs>